0: The Adam Crowley Show. Axon.
1: on. Axe off. Ah, Oh,
0: no. Oh, it's on the nipple. Axe off. Ah.
1: Axon. off.
0: Oh, he went from the bottom. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. Mark Arcabello. Chris Bork, and Brian Gianta are all on the United States hockey team. Uh, no offense to Chris Borker's family, he stinks. Uh, no offense to Mark Arcabello or his family, he stinks. I got to look at the Canadian roster. More on that coming up in a little bit. Uh, during the break, Alex over here was fanning my crotch, trying to get it to dry after I spilled water all over myself. Okay, that may or may not be true, but you don't believe it because of how big of a diva I am. You got to stop doing that, man. I'm sorry, dude. <laughs> Matt Geica, equally as much a diva as I. He certainly has beautiful flowing locks. He joins me now on the program. Hello. Hey,
2: uh, well, that was quite the segue. I appreciate the the plug for my one diva quality. (laughs) It's been going well. Good to talk to you again. It's been a long time, hasn't
0: it? It has been a while, dude. Can I ask you a weird question? Actually, I'm not going to ask you if I can ask you. I'm just going to ask you. When you were in school, what did substitute teachers call you? Um.
2: Well... I grew up in a small town in, in Weirden, West Virginia, and everyone knew how to say my name, so it wasn't an issue at all.
0: Oh, everyone knew you. That's a diva thing to say. Matt Gadzka <laughs> joining me here uh, on the Crowley Show. You wrote for PittsburghHockeyNow.com about Jake Gensel and Connor Sherry kind of heading in different directions. Jake Gensel now on the fourth line. What's going on with him, and why are these guys going in a different direction?
2: it's not to say that Connor Sherry is tearing it up or anything but it is instructive just to watch their usage and that's how you can get a pretty good idea of of where players stand on on coaches hierarchies and and Jake Gensel had not been in a situation like we saw yesterday against the blues really a a good game from a lot of players but not him and he ended up sitting for the last 17 minutes or so and I think the Penguins, well, I know the Penguins have been disappointed in in Jake at even strength. He's been really productive on the power play, and we've even seen him recently in front of the net and uh, hanging out in the the Patrick Hornquist Memorial spot as, as he rehabs and everything. But they tried him at center a couple of times this year, and I know they didn't really like him at center necessarily, but they gave him two shots at it, and even though they won all four games that he played at center last month, they still took him out of there, so... That that tells you where they stand on that. Uh, They haven't been fans of his defensive work. You can just tell whenever he's been paired with Crosby, it hasn't lasted long because maybe he's getting a little too caught up in trying to generate offense with number 87. And as for for Sherry, it's almost like he is what he is at this point. We have at least one more season um, of, of sample size at the NHL level for him compared to Gensel. And he might be just one of those players that you move around from first line to second line to third line and he can adapt his game. And the one thing that Sherry has going for him more consistently than Gensel, and I wrote about this in the column that you you referenced, is that Sherry more consistently adds turnovers on the forward check. He disrupts things, and he's able to um, at least make life difficult for the opposing team in coming out of their zone. And I'm not sure Gensel is quite there yet. And it could just be an experience thing. It could be uh, Sherry's been scratching the playoffs. He's been scratching some big games. Maybe some harder-to-learned lessons there. I don't know what's what's coming up next for Gensel, but he's not on uh, the kind of trajectory the Penguins would like to see.
0: What's the best-case scenario, do you think, for the Penguins at the deadline? Give me names.
2: (laughs) Best case, probably someone that we heard um, talked about on uh, Hockey Night in Canada from Bob McKenzie, too, of TSN. Derek Broussard of the, the Ottawa Senators would be a really nice, third line center for the penguins that would be a luxury for a lot of teams and well having two centers the way the penguins do is a luxury for every team but them but uh, that would be a player that wouldn't just be a rental he would be someone who could help you in future seasons and adam i'm not as gung-ho on loading up for this year as some people are out there i think if they make a a significant move or trade a significant piece of the puzzle to uh, to try to improve down the middle then they should make sure this person has uh, has some contract years ahead of them because uh, the Penguins are still going to be Stanley Cup contenders next year and, I believe, in, in 2019-20 as well. And then after that, I, I suppose we'll see how well Crosby and Malkin hold up. But um, I, I would not, with two Stanley Cups in the bank in the last two years, I would not be so desperate that I would uh, make a rash move. So, that's my feeling on it, and, and Broussard makes $5 million a year. He's under control for the next couple of seasons. Um, if the Senators are going to sell, I think that's the type of guy they go after. Now, if you want to talk wings, there's someone who's relatively inexpensive on the Rangers, Michael Grabner. Who yes! Their, their fast-paced style of play. And he's a pretty decent finisher, too, better than, uh, better than Carl Hagelin in that way.
0: And he can actually put the puck in an empty net, which is something that the Penguins <laughs> haven't had. Not that you... Bring a guy in looking for that but it certainly would help matt geica of pittsburgh hockey com and pirates com joining me here on the crowley show i like the grabner route because i like you don't think the penguins need to give up resources off of this current club to compete this year i would actually go for rental guys and yeah maybe you lose a draft pick but it'd be a late round draft pick and i suppose that does affect future years for the penguins but Maybe not future years whenever you've got Crosby and Malkin in their prime. Anyhow, so I would want Grabner, uh, a guy that you could give up maybe a first-round pick and get, and then go for a guy like Letestia or Cullen and put him on your fourth line. I think Riley sheehan has been more than serviceable as your third-line center.
2: Shea's development is part of my calculus on this one, too. And just the way they've been playing in the last six weeks, they look like the champs again. They don't look completely dominant every night, but they are tilting the ice, and they're getting big production as a result from their star players. I think there's some chicken in the egg there. The team overall is, is helping to lift them as they lift the team. And uh, just really since the calendar page turned, it's been a different type of team. And that's why I say I don't think they need a huge help. And, and Riley Sheehan playing better, perhaps you just say, we need another center of the caliber of him or even a little bit below and, uh, and then you load up on the top two lines accordingly. And, and then there's also, like we talked about, Grabner, there's Evander Kane out there. I'm not sure how much he would take to pull in because he's rather cold and he only has a couple of months left before his contract runs out. Defense, I'm okay with what they have right now because Ian Cole's playing better. He and Jamie Alexiak appear to have a good thing going. Matt Murray's starting to play better. So, so many things are, are pointing upward. And for me, coming off back to back championships, um, this feels like a, a gravy type of season, you know, the uh, the icing on the cake type of a season for the Penguins, and um, uh, if, if I were Jim Rutherford, I would worry more about just making sure that they're in a position to compete for this season, but also the next, say, two years as well.
0: Matt, if they didn't do anything, do they win the Stanley Cup this year?
2: Do they win it? I still like Tampa better than them, and I might even like Boston better than them, too. It's really funny. God,
0: would that be annoying.
2: Uh, it would be. It would be. They they really deserve another championship there in Massachusetts. Yeah, uh, I think that's just my. They've been opinion.
0: starved up there.
2: <laughs> but it's odd because we thought the Metro might be the the power division in the East, and if you look at it from an average points perspective, yeah, all those teams could beat you on a given night. But uh, the Atlantic has some some weaker teams at the bottom. However, at the top you have Tampa and Boston, who I think uh, could have a pretty good case for being uh, you know two of the top four teams in the NHL. Right now, so the Metro might actually be the easier part of the playoffs as compared to what we what we perceived to be the case a, a little bit ago. And, and then out west, of course, if you're talking Stanley Cup final, I love Vegas. Uh, they they play a Penguin style of hockey, just full octane, full throttle. The Winnipeg Jets are terrific. I love the Dallas Stars too. So uh, some teams the Penguins have played recently in the in the Stars and the Knights. It um, wouldn't surprise me if, if they were right there at the end. What's too. your
0: take on Philly, Matt? Because they're right up the Penguins' backside right now in the standing.
2: <laughs> they are. They're quite erratic. It's funny because they, what, were uh, losers of 10 in a row. They picked up a couple of points in that stretch in overtime and shootouts. But I think um, I was guilty of just writing them off and uh, and saying that, well, I guess we'll see the Flyers in 2018-19 because there is some talent there. and. I've seen them in person a couple of times this year. And, uh, well, they have some exciting players. They have uh, Shane Gossespierre and Ivan Provorov on the blue line. They have uh, Eklodiru, still a, a decent enough player. He's putting up more points this year. So is Jakub Boricek. Goaltending, always the question mark in Philadelphia. But they do a lot of good things. And, and uh, they defend relatively well for a team that has a lot of youth on the defense core. I don't know if they're a contender this year, but they could give someone a nice first-round series, I think. They're definitely in a position to do that and maybe even pick up a, a playoff series win ahead of schedule.
0: Yeah, That's a possibility it would be against Pittsburgh, and that's something we haven't seen over the last couple of years. The Penguins have won the Stanley Cup the last two years, but they didn't have to do so by beating Philadelphia. That's a, that's a series I'd like to watch because it's been a while <laughs> since the Penguins have beat up on those guys.
2: And the last time they got together, of course, it was the wildest series any of us has ever seen, at least in the context. I blocked
0: of that out. I don't know what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> if it happened in the 1980s or the 70s, it would have fit in better. But just from pure theater, I know that was a very popular series for hockey fans to watch. I, I think the Penguins would out-savvy the, the young Flyers in this case, kind of like what they did to the Blue Jackets, in fact, last year. The Flyers might get running around a little excited in their first Matchup, but you're right. That would be the uh, the first round series with the Penguins having home ice as the two seed in the Metro. The problem is with the Metro. The standings change drastically every week. It's really tough to project anything beyond it is. say Caps and Penguins at one two, which I would be pretty uh, I would be pretty safe. I, I'd feel pretty safe in saying those are going to be the top two spots.
0: Brian Rust has been a stud since he's been back from injury. Uh, There are a couple of guys on this roster that are truly untouchable, but that's a guy that you need to have on your hockey club. What does he do that makes him so valuable to what the Penguins do?
2: Well, I was talking about Sherry being able to aid the forward check. That goal that that Russ created, the breakaway goal, it was created out of hard work and a good, smart read. He's a smart hockey player, and he doesn't try to do anything that's outside of his ability level, which you can't quite say the same for – for Connor Sherry and maybe Jake Gensel. So he has a better idea of the limits of his abilities. But number one, he brings the foot speed, Adam. You got to have that if you're going to play wing for the Penguins for the most part. There, are, there have been some exceptions, and we'll see how someone like Zach Aston Reese, who's average at best with his wheels, how he can fit in with this team into the future. Uh, but Russ is your, your prototypical type of a Mike Sullivan winger in the way that he goes up and down the wing hard and uh, has a great concept of his own zone can clean it up, and and he's the type of of guy that you throw just area passes to. You throw it into the corner, it may look like a dump-in, but it's really just uh, a basic dish to a a player that you're very confident is going to win the race to the puck. And we've seen it in the playoffs, too. He's a very direct player. He'll just take it right to the net. He's not quite as, as, I don't want to call him selfish, but when he first came up, he would get the puck and he would never pass it. He would just jam it right to the front of the net. He's getting a little more confident in making plays, but overall, he's maintained that directness that makes him a good fit for the Penguins and also for the way the league is going. There's just so little time to make plays, and uh, with the way he can move his feet, it gives himself a, a little bit more time than most.
0: We talked a little bit earlier about the defense core. Man, coming into the season, I was worried about the Penguins' defense. I didn't know how Hunwick was going to fit in, and you just worried about Chris Letang. Well, I think very highly now of the Penguins' defense core. and Cole haster to remain in the lineup. Uh, he's a really good hockey player, and Jamie Alexiak has been staggeringly impressive, as far as I'm concerned.
2: Well, Alexiak added an element the Penguins didn't have in the size. Very few teams have a six-seven defenseman to go to. You saw one in, in Colton Pareko for the Blues if you watched the game yesterday, and what a difference that makes. And whenever the Penguins have played the Bruins, you always have your eye on which side of the ice is Chara on. That's been a, a consideration too. So he adds that he's a good enough skater to keep up. And uh, when the Penguins are down or when they need some uh, some juice on the offensive end, you'll notice Alexiak is very comfortable going down the wall, getting involved. Yeah. And, and that's what Mike Sullivan was looking for and uh, is looking for continually from his defenseman. Now, the Matt Hunwick signing, that's looking like a whiff at this moment. And um, I know technically he's injured, but even if he were completely healthy at the moment, I don't see how you'd get him in there ahead of Ian Cole or, or Jamie Alexiak. So it's, um, it's looking like... Uh, a seven or eight million dollar mistake right now for Jim Rutherford. He thought that with Hunwick's skating ability, he would be able to, to slide right in there. But uh, it's been really—it um, well, has to be discouraging for the Penguins to see the way that he struggled to defend off the rush. Just uh, basic things. He, he keeps a good gap. He doesn't give forwards that much room. But he's been beaten with uh, with wingers and centers going right through him on the way to the net. So he's got to get a little bit harder on that stick and uh, and figure out a way to. Uh, clean out the front of the net as well because he's been left standing around with uh, so many of those even strength goals that have gone in for the penguins this year against them
0: matt murray yesterday played like the matt murray the penguins are going to need if they don't make moves uh to bolster their roster they're going to need him to be at the top of his game i thought he was fabulous yesterday
2: really good on the trip and don't uh, factor out a, a couple of those saves they made in the third period. There were some scrambles uh, against the uh, the Stars. I mean, on Friday night when the Stars had the one goal lead, could have put that one out of reach, they and then him. Justin Schultz ties it up late. So, at the very least, they pick up a point there. Yesterday, he was just it was a very Matt Murray game. He was in position, facing some wacky deflections, a whole bunch of screens. That's a, a big-bodied Blues team that likes to funnel pucks to the front of the net. They get plenty of shots through from the point. It's a talented defense core, so. Uh, they let those guys fire away. It wasn't a high-volume game by any means. I don't think the Blues got over 30 shots, and neither did the Penguins, so a little bit slower paced in that way. Uh, but he was in those those right spots. He made a couple of flashy saves, but when he's at his best, he's just going to have the puck hit him. He's that type of a positional goaltender first and foremost, and that's what goaltending is more than anything these days. It's, it's more of a science than an art form. You watch someone like Marc-Andre Fleury play, and you realize there's still room for the art side of it, but – uh, overall, uh, the scientists are winning when it comes to, uh, when it comes to goaltenders in the NHL and and with all that Matt Murray has, has dealt with this year, now that we understand uh, what he had to, to think about when he was away from the rink with his father and, and all that went on there, I think we can give him a pass on the first part of the season and if he just rounds it into form for the end of the year, then the penguins are exactly where they want to be at the goaltending position.
0: Matt, I know that you. uh, it took you a long time to find a job, man. So I I was praying for you the whole time. I was really worried about you. Uh, Happy to see you found a place at PittsburgHockeyNow.com. And as the owner now, yes? Yeah.
2: How about that co-owner? Well, uh, I have to give it up to the gracious Dan Kingerski for letting me under the the PHN umbrella. I admire what he was doing from afar. And now I will try not to screw it up too much from within. First time owning something like this, though. So the pressure is really on, in my opinion
0: kongursky texted me the other day and i forgot to text him back and now i just remember that and i feel really bad so go go pass on to kongursky that i feel bad or maybe i'll just text him after this
2: oh i know he's feeling the slight so i'll I'll try to alleviate that for you thanks adam good times as always thanks
0: buddy matt geica from pittsburgh hockey now dot com coming up next brian uh who is coming up next I almost said Brian Metzer. It's Josh Getzoff from the Penguins Radio Network. I knew it was somebody from the Penguins Radio Network. It's going to be Josh Getzoff, and we're going to discuss how Brian Gianta is going to lead the United States men against Slovenia tomorrow at nine ten. Hell yes. Oh, 7 I can't get anything right. It's a Crowley show. Pens and sends tonight. Keep a close eye on Derek Broussard and J.G. Paggio, two centers the Penguins could have their eyes on, although both would be tough to fit in under the cap. Hey, I think Derek Broussard's going to score a couple goals on the Penguins tonight because he always seems to do that. Uh, he is a Penguins killer, so if the Penguins are going to make that trade, do it before you have to play Derek Broussard. Ain't that right, Josh gets up from the Penguins Radio Network.
1: That's, uh, I don't think that's that bold of a prediction, Adam, but I'm going to go with you on that one. I think that he's pretty much been solid for his entire career against the Penguins, and he'd be a great guy for them to pick up. I just think there's more to it than player-for-player uh, player swap, as you well know. Um, and I think that that's, uh, you know what, not a bad prediction on your part for this matchup.
0: Don't tell me what I know, Josh. Uh, Riley Sheehan <laughs> is now the permanent third-line center. Yes, that's what I'm reading, at least. The Penguins have fallen in love with what this guy's been able
1: to do. Yeah, listen, he's been good. Uh, I think with the first couple months that they had him on board, there was a, a real strong production from him in the face-off dot, not a lot offensively. Um, and as we know, that was well-documented during the end of his time in Detroit that there wasn't a lot uh, offensively for him. But this year, I will say he's been a uh, a breath of fresh air in a way, I think, for the Penguins from the third-line perspective. And that's not to take anything away from what Nick Benino's done the last couple of years because we know he's a – playoff legend as far as performances in penguins history and then obviously how productive he was with the hbk line goes without saying but from a consistent uh perspective from riley shea and i think there's been a little bit more there uh at least over the last couple of months he's as i mentioned started really starting the face off dot night coming in tonight second time already in 2018 that he's got back-to-back games with a goal i think really february's been his best month of hockey here for the penguins and that says something because he's basically played with new wingers four of the eight games or whatever this month seven games this month he's probably played half of them uh with new sets of wingers each night so i think it speaks volumes about his ability to uh, adapt and adjust and maybe just the overall comfort and confidence he's gained under mike sullivan and in this penguin structure
0: i think that's one of the best attributes of mike sullivan and we talked about mike a little bit in the opening segment but uh, i think sullivan allows his players to go out and he tells them Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Uh, I remember going back to his first year here in Pittsburgh. Connor Sherry comes up, and he would do some things at times that make you scratch your head because he's a young player. Jake Gensel last year, same kind of thing. But Mike Sullivan kind of just allows players to go out there, play their game, and I think that that's really benefited Shane. Uh, He's not scared, and if you go back and you watch some of the stuff he did in Detroit, it was almost like he was scared. A guy who didn't have any confidence.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I think that there's something to be said for a guy like Shan coming to Pittsburgh and playing behind guys like Crosby and Malkin, obviously the benefits that that can give us particular player, but you're right. I, I think with Mike Sullivan, he is very direct with these guys when he communicates with them. He tells them exactly what he's looking for out of them, exactly what he needs them to do to be successful in his system. And I know he's had that talk with Riley Shan, and he's had it recently within the last month or so, uh, just to kind of go over everything with him as far as the expectations from the coaching staff, the, uh, management and what Shea needs to do to be a better and more productive player for the Penguins. And I think, obviously, the results kind of speak for themselves, and he's responded accordingly on the ice. But you're right. I mean, this is a guy who's given the Penguins an option as a pretty dependable faceoff man. He's given them an option as another penalty killer uh, when Carter Rowney has been hurt here off and on over the last couple of months, really. Uh, and I think he's emerged as a guy that they don't necessarily feel all that uncomfortable with thinking that they can put him out there and attempt to generate some offense for this team because he's done that here over the last couple months.
0: Yeah, do you have faith that he can play full-time with Kessel if that's what it winds up coming to?
1: You know, that's going to be the big question. Um, To answer your question at this point, I'm not so sure, and that's a great answer, isn't it, because it gives you absolutely nothing. Uh, But (laughs) (laughs) I I think when you look at what he's been able to do to this point, there has certainly been a better offensive end to his game. Phil Kessel's game is offense. So, I mean, I think that there's an opportunity that they could work. Do I think that that's the absolute best-case scenario for this team? In the sense of Kessel being on the third line and Malkin being on the second line, yes, I do. I think it's better when those two are separated. But I'm not sure – if Riley Shane is still the best option there. Now, with that being said, he might be your only option there when you look at the Penguins from a salary cap perspective and what they have the option of adding here coming into the trade deadline because Shan has been dependable. He's been effective. There's no question about that. Can he be a third-line center that's going to help put up points with Phil Kessel? That remains to be seen, but he certainly has put them in the right direction. I think maybe eased a little bit of concern from a managerial perspective with his performance here recently.
0: Josh off Penguins Radio Network, joining me here on the Crowley Show. Gensel's not playing well, and I assume he's going to turn it around, but uh, there are definitely things in his game that he's going to have to work on, and Mike Sullivan kind of touched on those today. What do you think could be done to get him out of this funk?
1: Well, I think what they're doing right now is, I mean, as we saw yesterday in practice, they booted him down to the fourth line um, with uh, Ryan Reeves and Carter Rowney, uh, and yesterday it was Teddy Bluger with Rowney out of practice, and, They took him off the top power play unit, which I found that to be the biggest eye-opener because uh, you look at what the Penguins have right now, and and without Patrick Hornquist, they've really lacked a guy to go to the dirty areas in front of the net, and maybe that's what Zach Aston reese can give you um, with what they used against St. Louis and what you assume they'll come out with tonight as far as him playing on that top power play unit. But Gensel is an interesting case because he has played over a season in the NHL now as far as the accumulation of games. We all saw what he did in the playoffs last year you know, you don't put up those kind of numbers that consistently and not on that kind of stage and, and be considered a fluke. I think Jake Gensel is a pretty solid hockey player. He's a smart player, and that's something we've always talked about with him that he can't anticipate well, uh, and he puts himself in a position to succeed. I, I don't necessarily know if he has done that all that much this year, and maybe there's a little fatigue. Uh, we have to remember that last year was his first full year, obviously, of just transitioning into the NHL game, and all that, everything that comes with that, and then having to go into a short summer and come right back at it this year with the expectations being what they are. But Jake Gensel's a guy capable of scoring 20 goals in the NHL. Uh, and I think the Penguins understand that, and he knows that. And that's the hope that he'll be able to rediscover that game. Now, as far as Mike Sullivan's communication with him, It's always going to be direct. As I mentioned earlier, that's kind of been his M.O. with everyone from, I think, back to Eric Fair a couple years ago here in Pittsburgh to right now with guys like Gensel, guys like Sheyenne, and even to a lesser extent guys like Daniel Sprong when they've been up here in Pittsburgh to tell them what the expectations are and what they need to do to be successful. So I think when you look at Gensel, this is a guy that the Penguins obviously want to see in their top six, and they want to see in a, a more productive role It's about him kind of rediscovering his confidence. They'll give him opportunities to do that, but at the same time, when he has those opportunities, he has to take advantage of it. It's hard to say he's done that to this point in the season, and you wonder uh, when he will or if he will, but there will be other situations down the line where you figure he'll be counted on and hopefully he still has an ability to step up when they need him.
0: Josh Getzoff joining me here on the Crowley Show. I almost called you Jake Gensel 15 times in my head just there, Josh, so I really had to battle myself there to make sure uh, that didn't happen. Uh, Josh, outside of the big four of Crosby, Malkin, Kessel, Latang, on this current roster, without Patrick Hornquist admittedly, Brian Rust might just be that dude who makes things go, no?
1: Yeah, I agree, Adam. You know, Phil Bork, one of your good friends of the show, Borky, is – he, he loves Brian Rust, and I love Brian Rust too. It's hard not to. I mean, you can see what, when he's back in the lineup now just exactly what they've been missing, and not even just from his ability to kill penalties and, and his ability to, to keep defense defensemen kind of modest with his speed, but he has a touch. He has a finishing touch that we saw in St. Louis. Uh, he has a nose for the puck that we've seen over time, and he has that ability to score a goal when the Penguins need it. You think back even against this team they're playing tonight, Ottawa, when they needed goals, uh, Brian Rust has scored them. Uh, in the playoffs the last couple of years. And, And then you go, you know, even more recently, as I mentioned, on Sunday where he gets that big goal that broke the deadlock early in the third period after the disallowed goal call. Um, he, he's a guy that seems to have a flair for the dramatic, and that's a very understated quality uh, in this day and age as far as teams making it to the next level, which the Penguins have obviously been able to do with Brian Rust each of the last two years. Has he been as uh, focal a point as he may be potentially this spring? No, and that's going to be another question to see how he rises to that occasion and plays for this Penguins team. But, you know, one thing Mike Sullivan loves about Brian Rust, and as fans I'm sure a lot of people love about him as well, is this is a guy that can play up and down the lineup. I mean, he could be your fourth-line winger, as yeah. you saw when he came out of uh, came off the uh, injury shelf a couple weeks ago. Or he could be your top-line winger with Sidney Crosby, as we've seen the last two games in Dallas and St. Louis. So, And, uh, again, tonight, for that matter, against Ottawa. So his ability to kind of be a chameleon throughout this lineup, I think, is something the coaching staff loves. And he can be productive regardless of where he is, which is another bonus in his cap.
0: Josh Getzoff joining me here on the Crowley Show Uh, Josh, what does Ian Cole mean to the blue line? Because he seems to have played himself uh, from a guy who's going to be traded perhaps to now a guy that I think you need to have in there.
1: Yeah, and you know, I'll be honest, and I I know I'm not alone in this, but it was kind of puzzling as to why he was out of the lineup to begin with because uh, Ian Cole has been a pretty productive player for the Penguins really since you think back to when Mike Sullivan first came on board, and he sat basically about a month. From this time, I think it was about two years ago this time, uh, he was scratched for essentially a month of hockey from the Penguins, came back and never left the lineup, uh, obviously, in 2016 and then all last year, probably being one of their more dependable defensemen, if not their most dependable last year as far as having a career year statistically and just morphing into a really good tandem with Justin Schultz. Now, this year, he's had a few different partners. He's obviously gone in and out of the lineup as a result. But I think with what you've seen when he, since he's come back after missing those seven games, He's got the point production, which is something that is relatively new still in Ian Cole's game, but is, is definitely a welcome note. But how about the penalty kill with him back in the lineup? Yeah. I mean, you could talk about guys winning face-offs, and that's huge. Carter Rowney has done that. Riley Sheehan has done that. They've gotten some shorthanded goals. Think back to Carl Haglin's against Dallas. But Your defensemen are so key on that. On top of Matt Murray being really strong, I think, over the last couple of games, uh, the defensemen have been so good. And I don't think it's a a coincidence that Ian Cole is back there and playing big minutes on the penalty kill as the Penguins' PK has started to rise up a little bit more because we all know he's not afraid to block shots. But he also plays a pretty honest game as far as when he picks and chooses his spots to be physical and engage himself uh, against opponents and along the boards and for the puck. So I think that he's been able to do that at a really high level the last couple games. It's helped his game overall rise, and then obviously the Penguins have reaped the results in situational play.
0: Josh, how has Hunwick handled not being in the lineup? Is he taking it
1: all right? You know, I think that he puts on a a smile and he says the right things, and that's, you know, as much as you can ask for a guy that's been in the league for 10 years and I'm sure signed a three-year contract here expecting he was going to be an every-night defenseman. Why wouldn't you? Um, and I think that you, you know you hear and you see what you see, and it's all positive from him. But I, I have to imagine the competitor inside of him wants to get on the ice. Now, the other side of the coin is this is a guy that came here because he, as he said in training camp, this is the organization that I had the best chance to go win a Stanley Cup with. So. He sees them winning, and he sees them rising back up in the standings. I think that has to be kind of twofold for him because, all right, your, your reason you signed here is happening. This team is having a lot of success. They're starting to hit their stride at the right time, and uh, unfortunately you're not a part of it on the ice right now. So that has to be a little difficult for him to stomach as far as watching from the outside. But this is a guy that's loved in that locker room. He's really taken a liking. Uh, a lot of players, I should say, have taken a liking to him that um, have been a part of the fold here in Pittsburgh with him being a relatively new guy in that room. Uh, And I think that there are a lot of guys that, you know, kind of still lean on him off the ice as far as just a veteran and a voice that he can be for this group. So he's kind of embracing himself in those roles right now. But he knows there's there's one crazy hit, one weird tweak away from him being right back in the lineup. And the Penguins uh, relying on him a lot uh, as this season winds down.
0: Josh, the... Senators are bad and uh, they stink. They got 47 points. What's the deal? I thought that they were going to be able to take off after last year's performance in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, you know, it's been a combination of things. I think uh Adam, you you look at the Senators and it's interesting. I was talking to Cody cc their defenseman today and I said, "You know, the last time you guys were in this building is and he kind of shook his head, but he knows why. The last time they were in there was when Chris Coon had sent them home uh in double overtime in the in the Eastern Conference Final. That's how close they were to playing for, and potentially, who knows, even maybe potentially winning a Stanley Cup last year with the run they had. I think it's no question that when you look at the Senators last year and everyone called them a Cinderella, they gave the Penguins fits because of their style. I would not necessarily say they would have been a Eastern Conference final, final two teams, two best teams in the Eastern Conference, just as far as the group they had. Sure. The way they played in the playoffs lended themselves to having some success. Craig Anderson played out of his mind in that Eastern Conference final. And a lot of things came, and the playoffs for that matter for Anderson as well. And a lot of things came together for them as far as getting to that point. Did I think they would be this far out of the playoff picture in early February? No, I did not. I thought they'd be hanging around because that's kind of what Guy Boucher teams do. Um, but they have just not had that success this year. They haven't really been able to take it to the next level. As I mentioned, they've had some injuries. Bobby Ryan has had a hell of a time staying healthy uh, this year for them, and they rely a lot on him uh, to, to be a pretty productive player. Eric Carlson is been a little up and down which is crazy to say but uh you know he he hasn't quite had a carlson like year for them overall and i think you you have a lot of pieces that haven't played to the level they did last year and as a result you're seeing a team that's fallen off quite a bit
0: what teams in the east scare you right now josh uh, if you're a penguins fan boston and tampa i mean they're playing good hockey washington i mean you can never really be scared of them if you're a penguins fan anybody else
1: Yeah, you know, Tampa's the easy answer just because of the depth they have. I think they're one of the few teams that can match up with the Penguins as the Pens roster sits right now, uh, if the two teams are fully healthy. Uh, you know, Boston, I still – I mean, don't get me wrong. They're playing great hockey right now. I wouldn't want to run into them right now. But my question is, with such a young group, are they playing that way in two months? Because that's really when it matters. We saw this from Columbus last year in December playing out of their mind, whatever it was, 16 games in a row, 18 games in a row. But if you're not playing your best hockey when the season matters the most, which the Penguins have thankfully been able to do the last two years, it's not going to matter much when the schedule flips to the postseason. So I guess that's my big thing with the Bruins right now. I think they're playing great, and they have a great team. And we saw them firsthand right before the bye week, and they stacked right up against the Penguins. It was one of the best games of the year. Um, But there's two months of regular season hockey to go, and I'd be curious to see where they're at when that's all said and done. Now, with that being said, To answer your question, Tampa. That's it. That's the only team that makes me nervous about Penguins going head-to-head with them with. And with that being said, I think the Penguins are starting to do themselves a pretty good service by pushing themselves into the metro bracket and potentially avoiding Tampa until you could look ahead and see them in the Eastern Conference Final, which would be a heck of a series. Um, But that's the only time you'd match up with them if the Penguins continue to play how they are, which is obviously pretty encouraging on a lot of fronts.
0: Josh, great stuff, man. We'll look forward to listening to you tonight. Appreciate you taking the time to come on today.
1: Yeah, no problem, Adam. Thanks for having me.
0: Josh gets off Penguins Radio Network can catch him on the pregame show, which is probably actually going on right now. Don't change the channel. Coming up next, it's the hottest take of the day and other crap. It's Crowley Show. Who let the dogs out? <laughs> I like to make a motion that needs to be approved here on the show that this be the new official song of the Crowley Show. Heard it driving in the other day, and it is badass. It's also not at all about dogs. It's about sex. But everything's about sex. Don't kid yourselves. It's time for the hottest take of the day. Ready, Jeff. It's time for the hottest take of the day. Day,
1: day, day.
0: I don't actually know if this would constitute the hottest take of the day. This is more something for other crap, but the reality is, I didn't have a hottest take today. But it's something I've thought about more so recently than I really ever have before, and that's that there's a lot more subjectivity in sports than we acknowledge. We always think of winners and losers, and it's pretty definitive. You score more goals, you win. You score more points, you win. You hit more home runs, score more runs, you win. But most Olympic events that I've watched have subjective scoring, where there are criteria, there are things that you have to do, there's a rubric, if you will, but you get graded by people subjectively who see things differently. Refereeing is largely subjective. NCAA Selection Committee in the ncaa tournament that is subjective there's criteria they know how they want to rate teams but you look at two teams with similar resumes and have to pick one over the other that is subjective same thing in football they're splitting hairs on the four teams they get to play for a championship i think both baylor and tcu were more deserving than ohio state a couple of years ago but ohio state wound up winning the championship it's subjective and there's a lot more subjectivity in sports than I ever really realized. That's the hottest take of the day. I got it. Hold on. That was the hottest take of the day, 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 day. Here's one for people who are insincere. Rob Beer Temple went to the athletic, and they are allowing anybody who's been blocked by Rob Beer Temple to show a screenshot of them being blocked. Rob will then unblock them as long as they subscribe to The Athletic. So Rob's kind of been a D-bag. I don't particularly like him. I haven't really had personal dealings with him, but just texting him to get on people's shows back when I was a producer, he was always kind of a jerk. He'd flake out all the time. So I'm not a big fan. Plus, I've heard other things he does on Press Row that make you think he's not the greatest guy. So for him to say, I'll unblock you, it's a peace offering. No, it ain't. It's a money grab. You want to talk about crap? That's crap. You got time for one more other crap.
1: Woo!
0: Other crap. I saw a United States loser today totally wipe out. I got the hiccups again, I think. Totally wipe out bust their ankles and their head, and it makes me wonder why the hell anybody does it. They're going 80 miles an hour on what is ice with steel strapped on to your ass. Uh, that does not appeal to me from a let's-go-do-that standpoint. Now, from a I'm-going-to-watch-it standpoint, I'm totally in. Coming up tomorrow on the show, have no idea what guests we got. No idea, not a clue. We'll get a couple people. Don't you worry about that. But we're going to talk a lot about what some players around Pittsburgh should give up for Lent. I'm not kidding. Going to do that. I'm back in studio. We'll have a cheese tease because damn it, I forgot one today. I blame Alex. I'm being a diva again. Tomorrow, four until seven. Hijinks on the Crowley Show.